morning. Yes, as Peter says, the reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 13 on page 978 in the Church Bibles. Titled The Parable of the Sower. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such a large crowd gathered round him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he scattered the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and cho choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. And moving on to verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what he was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who receives the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who receives the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Just as Norman comes up to preach God's word to us, uh, the Sunday Club can go out now. Thank you. Thank you, Olga, for reading the Word of God to us this morning, and thank you, Peter, for reading to us. What a beautiful morning to be in the house of God. Today, I want to talk about the heart. Jeremiah, the Old Testament prophet, had some very important words to speak to us about the heart of man. He said, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That's not very complimentary. 
<coughs> and the Lord Jesus, <coughs> sorry, the Lord Jesus also had some words to say about the heart here in uh, Matthew chapter 13, and we will look at those. But the heart is the very center of your being, the center of your character, the real you. The heart is where you think, where you feel, where you make decisions, and the heart is where the good seed of the word is meant to fall Sunday by Sunday. So let's examine our hearts this morning. Are you ready to receive the word of God today? What's in your heart just now? Is it ready to hear what God is saying in his word? Or perhaps your heart hasn't caught up with your body yet, and you're still thinking about yesterday, thinking about the clothes you bought at the sales, or the film you watched last night. Our bodies may be in church, but our hearts may be far away, and they may be cluttered with rubbish when we should be focusing on the Lord. When we come to church, it's not about us in a very real sense. It's about the Lord. It's about worshiping him and hearing what he has to say to us. And so we need to be serious about preparing our hearts to receive God's word. And this is what the parable of the sower is really all about here in Matthew chapter 13. So I hope you keep your Bibles open with me as we look at these verses, particularly verses 18 to 23, where Jesus explains the heart, explains the parable of the sower to us. And you can see very clearly that Jesus is talking here about four different kinds of soil, which he later explains as four different kinds of heart. There is the closed heart, there's the impulsive heart, there's the cluttered heart, and there's a good heart. And three of these are bad, in bad condition, and only one heart is in good condition. And this, in this parable, Jesus seems to be suggesting that this is generally the case with people when they listen to the word of God. And so that could mean that many of us here this morning have hearts that are in a bad condition. Many of us are going to get no benefit this morning from this service because our hearts are closed, our hearts are impulsive, our hearts are cluttered up, they're not good. That's an alarming thing to consider because the Holy Spirit of God is with us today and our Heavenly Father has something to say to us and we don't have the heart to listen. What can we do about that? Well, we can certainly pray that God will open our hearts to receive his word. But let's look at what Jesus has to say about these four hearts. And as we do, let's ask ourselves, is this me? Am I like that? Is this my heart? In verse 19, Jesus 
speaks of the closed heart. He says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. What does a closed heart look like? Well, probably the best way of understanding it is to look at some people in the Bible whose hearts were definitely closed. I'm thinking of people like Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. You remember how Moses came to him and proclaimed the word of God to him? But Pharaoh hardened his heart. His heart was closed. He refused to understand that he was dealing with the eternal God, the creator of the universe. He didn't understand and he closed his heart. He refused to listen and refused to release God's people from slavery. A closed heart says no to God. Like the heart of Cain, who killed his brother Abel. He said no to God. He said no to God's instructions about how to worship. He would do it his way. His heart was closed. He didn't take God seriously. And this morning the seed is falling again, and you are hearing the message. But if your heart is closed to God, remember the devil stands ready to snatch away the word and to rob you of God's word. And so you have a choice. You can stay switched off and it's gone. You've missed the most important thing about today. Or you can pray that God will open your heart and that you will receive the word of God. But it's not just in church that the seed of the word falls. When you keep saying no to God, you end up with a heart that's hard and closed like the path, and you give the devil permission to rob you. Like Judas, the disciple of Jesus, he sat at the Lord's feet, he sat even at the Lord's table, but his heart was closed. He had closed it a long time ago because he let money rule his heart. He wasn't listening to what Jesus was saying. He had his own agenda. There was no sorrow for sin in his heart. There was no attentive ear for the words of Jesus. Satan had entered in and taken over and stolen away the good seed of the word. What a terrible end. Beware of the closed, hard heart. But you know, it's not just believers who can close their hearts to God. Remember the story of Jonah. God sent him with the gospel to Nineveh, and he was a believer, a child of God. But it didn't suit Jonah's politics to go to Nineveh. Why should Israel's enemies get the good news about God's salvation? He couldn't care less if they all went to hell. His heart was closed to God's voice, and so he found somewhere else to go. 
Are you like Jonah? Perhaps God is speaking to you. You hear him in the distance, but you don't want to hear what he has to say. And his words are bouncing along your hard heart like the seed on the pathway. Remember what happened to Jonah. So you better watch out for a big fish. You could be in a lot of discomfort because of your refusal to hear the word of God. After the closed heart, we come to the impulsive heart. In verse 5 we read, Some seed fell in rocky places where there was not much soil, just a thin layer over the rock. So the seed enters and there's a quick response, but the soil is not deep. And when the scorching sun beats down, it can't survive. Jesus explains the meaning of this kind of soil in verse 20. He says in verse 20, But what was sown on the rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, it lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. This kind of person is certainly responsive, not like the closed heart. They receive the word with joy. There's enthusiasm. This looks like a good heart, but it's not. It's superficial. We read in verse 21, he has no root and lasts only a short time. There is no commitment. There is no respect for the word of the living God. There is no obedience. And Jesus was always guarding against this kind of response. We have lots of people on the fringes of our church, I think, that are in this category. They come for a while. They get excited about what's going on in the church. But then suddenly they disappear. We don't see them maybe for months or maybe never again. And we wonder, what happened? And Jesus told stories about counting the cost to encourage people not to have an impulsive heart. He said, if you sit down and you decide to build a tower, you have to count the cost. If a king goes to war, he has to work out, is he going to succeed? Is he going to be able to persevere? Is he going to take the bad times with the good times? And so an impulsive heart is always going after the latest idea. And it's one of the greatest problems in today's world, the fear of commitment, the fear of being in it for the long haul. We see this fear of commitment. We see it in marriages. We see it in the workplace. We see it in church life, the lack of long-term dedication and perseverance. So many people want to give up so easily the impulsive heart. And here are some signs that your heart might be impulsive. Are the things of God always 
movable for you? There's something on TV, so I won't go to home group tonight. Um, I want to see that match, but the prayer meeting is on. How about your quiet time with God? Does it get moved around or missed because something else comes up that catches your attention? These are signs of heart trouble, signs that you're not serious about God. He's not really first in your heart. Augustine, way back in the early 400s AD, he said many amazing things as a theologian. But one of them, he said, was this, that our main problem, the problem of the heart, is the problem of disordered loves. In other words, we love ourselves, we love our wife, we love our children, we love our work, we love God. But they're disordered. It should be, first of all, we love God. And when God is first and foremost in our lives, then our heart will not be impulsive. We will be, we will be guided by him. We show our true nature when we have an impulsive heart. We have no root. We do not love God with all our heart. You remember the story of King Herod in the New Testament? He was a good example or a bad example of an impulsive heart. He loved to listen to the preaching of John the Baptist. And so he would call John in and ask John to preach and he would listen with all his courtiers and they would praise John. But that was as far as it went. When the pressure came on Herod, remember on his birthday, when he was drunk, he reverted back to the old Herod. He couldn't lose face in front of his mates, and so he ordered John the Baptist to be murdered in his cell, just to please a dancer. The old Herod came out again, the old impulsive heart that went after the latest thing, even though he could sit under a sermon and hear it and think it was good. Because you were here this morning listening to a sermon doesn't necessarily mean that you have a good heart. Doesn't necessarily mean that your heart isn't impulsive, running after the latest thing. The next heart that Jesus describes is what I call the cluttered heart. Jesus tells about the seed that fell among thorns. It wasn't so much that the seed fell among thorn bushes. It was more that it fell into soil that was infested with roots, roots of thorns. And so the soil was already so cluttered up with the roots of other things that the seed has to compete with these other things in order to grow. And therefore, it fails. When I was working in Africa, I had an old computer and it was very slow. The reason it was very slow was because it was cluttered up with all kinds of stuff over the years. And one day I got so fed up with it, I decided to delete everything that was in it, wipe it clean and reinstall the program. That was many years ago, no doubt there's a different way of doing it now. But anyway, what a transformation that computer made from being slow and difficult 
It suddenly answered my every command immediately. It was like having a brand new computer. It was decluttered. God wants to do something like that with you. Declutter you. There are so many things cluttering up our hearts. He speaks to our hearts like pressing the key, but we don't respond, and only very slowly. We need to be willing to delete an awful lot of rubbish that's crowding out the Word of God from our hearts. And Jesus mentions some of these things in Matthew's Gospel. And he also mentions more in the story of the sower as we have it in Mark and in Luke. Here he mentions the worries of this life. Now we all have problems and troubles and pressures and stresses. But Jesus has in mind here someone who's trying to manage their own life without God. Instead of relying on God day by day, they rely on their own resources. And when we do that, we allow needless worry and stress to grow like weeds in our hearts, choking out the precious promises of God's word and the blessings that he wants to give us. And the second kind of competition that Jesus mentions in verse 22, he talks about the deceitfulness of wealth. In other words, the comfort we get from the stuff that we accumulate. Now, it's not wealth in itself that Jesus is con condemning. He speaks about the deceitfulness of wealth. It's the way it deceives us that's the problem. Stuff becomes a distraction that fills our minds. It, does, it, promises us, uh, it promises security, but it doesn't give it. And it fills our minds and chokes out the word of God. Let me introduce you to two wealthy men. Abraham, he had great wealth, but God said to him, Fear not, Abraham, I am your shield. I am your very great reward. In other words, I am your wealth. Not the flocks and herds covering the hills, but I, I am your wealth. We sing the hymn, Be Thou My Vision, O Lord of my heart. But I wonder, can we really sing, Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise? Thou my inheritance, now and always. The heart that has been decluttered can sing those words with meaning. You are my inheritance, now and always. You are my security, now and always. The other rich man I want you to meet is Lot, the nephew of Abraham. And he was an example of one who became obsessed with his possessions. The deceitfulness of wealth got into the heart of Lot. And he let it choke out all spiritual life. 
He lost his possessions, eventually, all of them. They went up in smoke, and his good character as well, because stuff became first and choked out his relationship with God. Are you letting clutter crowd God out of your heart? But then, finally, we come to the good heart. In verse 23, But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the one who hears and understands and produces a crop. The first thing that strikes you about the good soil is that it's completely different to the other three kinds of soil. Here is the only soil that produces anything. Now, soil and seed have only got one purpose, and that is to produce. And in the first three soils, there was no crop, nothing. There was some activity, but no fruit, nothing in the end. But here in the good soil, the purpose is achieved 30 times, 60 times, 100 times. Now, the first and most obvious characteristic of the good soil is preparation. Before the farmer sows, he prepares the ground, and in the first three soils, there was no preparation. And in our hearts, there must always be preparation to receive the word. Did you pray this morning before you came to church that you would receive God's word into your heart? It's the Holy Spirit who gives us understanding to take in the word. Remember the first soil? Jesus said that the hard heart didn't understand it. But here when he comes to the good soil, he says, he hears the word and he understands it. And it's only the Holy Spirit that gives us understanding to be able to take in the word of God. And so we must pray that our hearts will be broken up by the Spirit of God, that we will confess our sins to God, and that we will seek to receive God's word as it's proclaimed to us week by week. Our hard hearts must be broken up like the soil to receive the word of God. The second mark of a good heart is in Luke's account of the sower in chapter 8, verse 15, where he says, But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. Again, we see the contrast with the other three kinds of heart. Here, the good heart is noble, sincere, wholehearted, single-minded, dedicated, committed to the Lord. But there's something else here. We don't just hear the word and retain it. We hear the word and we need to meditate on it, to digest it. And in church, it must not be the case that out of the door, out of the mind, goes the word of God. And we talk about 
the match last night or what we're doing this week? How can we retain the word of God? Well, here's an idea. On Monday, when you come to your quiet time, forget your plan. Go back to what you heard yesterday on Sunday. Go back to the word that you heard. Think about it. Read the passage again. Take some notes. Let the word bear fruit in your life and not be snatched away. Don't let all those hours of preparation that the preacher has spent be lost and come to nothing. We don't stand up here and preach the word for the good of our health. We stand up because the Lord gives us a word and the Lord commands us to preach it and it should be taken in and understood in the heart. A good heart retains the seed and produces a crop. And people will see the fruit of the Spirit in a good heart. They will see love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and all the other fruit of the Spirit. They will see these things and they will rejoice over them. Do you have a crop to show? Do you have anything to show for your claim to be a child of God? Do you have anything to show outside for being in church every Sunday? Which heart is yours today? I hope it's not the closed heart that's still saying no to God. I hope it's not the impulsive heart like Herod. You like a good sermon, but no one to ask you to give up your sins. I hope it's not the cluttered heart too many other things pushing in but devotion to God, producing fruit for the glory of the great God who made you and loved you and gave a son to die for you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, our hearts are hard. And as Jeremiah said, we haven't even begun to plumb the depths of the deceitfulness of our hearts. And we often fool ourselves about the condition of our hearts. Forgive us, O Lord. Forgive us and help us to be able to respond to your word in the way in which it should be responded to, with faith and love and obedience and sincerity and devotion to you day by day. O oh Lord, help us to remember the sermons each week as we hear them. Help us to retain them. Help us, O oh Lord, to put them into action and not go out the way we come in. O oh Lord, have mercy upon us day by day. May we bring fruit for your glory and for the good of your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.